Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Oh, I thought it crashed. The window was still away. here. I couldn't see you guys for a second. Nope. That was a health check passed. Yeah. I wasn't sure I had object permanence yet. You guys just disappeared. I thought maybe you stopped existing. (laughs) Do you know that thing that babies get? No, I don't know about that. Psychological. Oh, is that that? Is that the hidden? Yeah, it's why hide and seek. Why peekaboo is so surprising to them? Right. They don't have object permanence yet. So they explain that to me. Like I think, literally psychologically, your mind doesn't. When it when you stop seeing something, you know your mind kind of puts it in that other place, and you're like, it still exists. I just don't see it right now. So if I cover over a ball with a cup, the ball's still there even though I don't see it. So I'm not surprised when the cup is lifted and the ball is there again. Whereas a baby, the peekaboo is like, wait, where did mom go? Oh my gosh, she's back. So I thought she wow. was. I thought she stopped existing. That's amazing. I think that's I didn't know that, Yeah, I didn't know that, that in Peekaboo that they thought things stopped existing. I mean, I don't think it's that discursive. The baby is like, what is being have, actually, though? What does it I mean no to exist? <laughs> what am I going to do am, without a mom? Oh my gosh. It would be, it would be less. I'm not an orphan. <laughs> It would be less funny for sure for them, yeah. like if they kind of went through all that. Yeah, that would be that stages of grief. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, <laughs> they're in denial first. <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought they. Uh, it was like a jump scare situation. Where it could be, I, I could be wrong about that, but object permanence. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty, fairly I like certain that. I learned that in psychology. Well, if, I mean, if you learned that? it in a class, then yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we say about that? I was in a. Uh, this reminds me of actually a conversation I was having with some priests yesterday. Uh, as sometimes happens when people are like, "What's up with Gen Z? Does anybody have like a generational profile on these kids these days?" And um, sounds like a boring conversation, but. Well, I always just, it's kind of like personality tests. I always have this little shade of skepticism that there's such a thing as a typical Gen Z or a like an introvert, um, you know, because everybody's unique. But um, who, 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 generally speaking, would be categorized in Gen Z? Just to make sure I get my dates right. I, that's the other thing is like, who has the authority to define this? Because people will be like, I'm actually a cusper. I, I am on, I'm on the cusp between millennial and gen z like that just means that you're i mean tip frankly like i'm more conditioned by the people that were in my class from kindergarten to k through 12th grade like that one year than even the year above or below me you know like that we had a certain kind of culture just like at the seminary your your deacon class was very different than say the third year theology at at that same time i don't know it's a whole nature versus nurture question um so I think Gen Z generally is like late 90s to 
born like yeah, I think they're oh, born after two thousand six oh seven right. yeah so the okay. kids are in college now okay and and what did they say about it oh somebody was mentioning that they think that they they believe more stuff on the internet than we did which I hmm. I think I agree with um, when you were saying you learned it in a class it reminded me of how we used to make fun of people when they said I read it on the internet. And we used to say, yeah, because you can't put anything on the internet unless it's true. Which was funny because you can put anything on the internet. But now, it's like people's main source of information. <laughs> it's where people do their research. is on the internet. So. It's true. There's some good YouTube videos out there to yeah. research with. A lot of good info. Especially DIY stuff, man. Well, that I, yeah. Oh, the I mean, DIY stuff. YouTube is the place to be. Totally. I heard a phrase recently, YouTube University. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. But man, it is really dangerous. You can have some silly ideas convincingly mm -hmm. told and construed that you can take in no problemo from the internet. Yeah, I would say doing your research on YouTube about how to build like a raised garden bed. That's OK. I would be a little bit more skeptical about like what really happened on 9-11. That's <laughs> if that's the spectrum. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a hey, good spectrum. Speaking of YouTube, did you guys watch that uh, Tyson video about tigers? I did. Of course. I liked how you labeled it important. <laughs> I did. Hey, they need to see this. This is important. You guys need to stop what you're doing and watch this video. <laughs> I didn't see the whole interview between him and Rogan, mm -mm. but I I definitely watched that portion and agreed. It is very important. I just find Mike Tyson so authentic. You know, like he really he was enjoying talking to Joe Rogan about tigers. He wasn't showing off that I know a lot about tigers. He he loves them. Like you're talking about how, you know, a lion, a lion you can like, you know, have with the family. The lion will, will make friends with everybody. But a cat, like a tiger, they like one person, you know. So you don't want the tiger to like your kid because then you can never go near your kid again. Because the tiger will kill you. It's like, why do you have a tiger? That's the, that, <laughs> Let's, we didn't that's take the big question. Back. Like, yeah, like, just Before you worry man. about who the tiger imprints on. Let's ask the question, why tiger? <laughs> <laughs> that is a legit question. Well, what, what led you to that, Rob? I don't know. I just Well, we had just talked about uh, Mike Tyson, Tyson a, a little bit. And then it, it happened that um, I'll watch. Uh, I, don't, I don't like ever listen to like a whole Joe Rogan episode or whatever, but he just has so much content. Sometimes it'll like come up in YouTube or whatever. And I was like, oh, wow. It looks like Tyson was just on Rogan, mm. which led to they're talking about tigers. How can I not watch it? Yeah. And I just thought it was important that you guys see it. That's, I think, what, um, what John And Carney because Connor, is. yeah, I, I can't text him this stuff. Oh, you yeah. know, I have to find titles to things that I text or send Connor. What mm -hmm. else do you put in a subject line? Mm -hmm. Besides important, nine one one. 
<laughs> Read this is an emergency. <laughs> I think John Carney is, that's what he is trying to do with some of our clips, the 3DN clips on YouTube is because I'll find I watch a seven minute Joe Rogan or, you know, comedy podcast clip because it's like, oh, here's, here's something funny that they talked about or interesting hmm. um, versus like the full hour or whatever. But um, I was going to say, Rob, do you, what's your phone situation? I haven't taken the plunge yet. I should have a disclaimer on there because I said it on the the podcast, but I still, I, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm getting cold feet, but um, like I have mine on grayscale and towards the end of Lent, especially like it was just going better. And then honestly, it was just with like Holy Week guy was very busy. Um, and I got a new car actually that came oh. in then, which I know that that's not doesn't seem related. It just made it a little bit busier that like I kind of took care of that in those days. So I just haven't I just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think through the process, I'm like, man, do I really want to do this? And mm-hmm. I don't know. So you went from philosophically, you went from anything for freedom to just certain things for freedom. Yeah. I mean, just philosophically. Mm -hmm. Certain things Mm -hmm. for freedom. Yes. (laughs) But other things, no, I'll sacrifice freedom for them. Yes. Hey, I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. I'm, I'm only going to do a quadrant of my face painted blue. Cause it's like I'm half <laughs> for in Braveheart? for freedom. Yeah. <laughs> freedom ish. Uh, eh. um, have you still enjoyed the, the internal peace and spiritual fruits of being untethered to the world of tech every day, Connor? Yeah. Yes, I have. Has it gotten better? Or has um, it- you know, it, it's, I had one of those morning offering moments this morning uh, of just feeling like a rush of insight or God's presence uh, as I knelt down when I woke up that I'm longing for freedom, you know, and that's like the smart, this dumb phone is just a very dumb, not that essential manifestation of this deeper longing in my heart for total freedom. Um, to do God's will, to be like in communion with him all the time. Um, and just the more I've stripped away from my life that I feel is not drawing me into that freedom, into that communion and joy, uh, the more acute is the pain when I am drawn away from it, you know? So like <clears throat> last night I watched the Bulls game, which they won. Um, uh, this is going to get posted whenever, but, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm on YouTube TV on my iPad. I finished it up the game. And then of course I watch a couple more YouTube videos, whether it's Joe Rogan on tigers or whatever, or Mike Tyson, just like little nickel and dime that vortex, you know, just, it's so hard to let go of like an immediate dopamine. So I still have an iPad. I still have a computer. Um, you know, it's, it's just like what we're talking about. The issue is not the issue. Like you can grayscale your phone and moderate your media intake. And it, it, that's really what's important. Not so much that you get a yeah. dumb phone, but, um, I do find that like not having it with me all the time and having to pay a little more attention to 
my surroundings or people or the world is helpful and beneficial. But um, I guess what my experience in the morning offering this morning was like, Lord, like I just, I need you so bad to call me out of slavery into freedom constantly. Hmm. But I believe that you will do it, you know, and just like certain certain things that are happening and graces from yesterday that um, I think the deepest slavery and what, what I, what I felt this morning kind of lift a little bit was like when that sort of thing happens, when I stay up an extra half an hour and I'm like, why did I do that? I should have read or, you know, like these accusations come in the little subtle things. It starts to color the whole world as like, man, it's really hard to do the right thing. And you're just really obviously not going to do it right all the time and you're not perfect and that's a problem and um look at all these things that got a grip on you and you're a slave bro and then there's like a bitterness towards the objects that enslave me or my own weak will um a feeling of god's absence that he's kind of disappointed or, or whatever um and it just kind of rushed on me like oh dude Kind of what Kate, I mentioned to Katie Dornboss's idea with the Ten Commandments, which we got a little bit of mail about that. Uh, that it was a good insight that it's not simply a command. You will not have false idols. It's also a promise. Um, like, I will not let you have false idols yeah. um, because that is not good for you. So a little, a little feeling of that sort of like, you know, heaven is going to come. I am, I'm on the path. I don't need to listen to this voice that's saying like, your, your, you know, relationship with God is so tenuous that, you, I, you know, YouTube can t take you out of God's arms. It's just, it's not true. Like he, he will, he has in my life, like slowly taking these things away in a way that makes me free. It's not like he's taking things and ripping them out of my cold dead hands. It's that he like slowly coaxes me into deeper trust so that I can surrender more to him. So the short answer is the phone doesn't make you free. It's, it's God that makes you free, but I'm glad that I don't have a smartphone. I don't regret it. Yeah. It's an, an instance of how he's made you, made you free a mm -hmm. manifestation of the freedom. Yeah, man. After we finished last week, uh, Rob and I stayed and talked for a bit and you shared something that was really helpful and it, it's just making me think of it in regards to freedom and um, like the, the resurrection makes freedom possible. And so the, the idea that you have to move from self-awareness into self-possession, which then leads to self-gift and I think that's like the formula. Well, that's the formula of love that JP two talks about big time is love is a gift of yourself. That that's what Christ does in the cross for us. Um, but I found that I do a really good job of the self-awareness thing. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know of all these things about myself and I want to give myself, I want to make a gift of myself, but the whole self-possession thing in the middle, hmm. which I think is, is that freedom. That's, that's a real challenge. I think that's, that's where the will is. You have the intellect in the first portion. You have grace and grace throughout all of it, but grace to know like, oh man, this is something that 
that I am enslaved by, but then to relinquish it and to surrender it to the Lord, like in that, that self-possession, I, which leads to freedom, which then leads to the ability to love more freely, that middle portion of self-possession, um, not not so good at that. We're still working on that one, <laughs> big time. But I was that's just kinda... learning to love, 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 love. <laughs> um, yeah, but but it's all this this movement towards freedom, uh, which it sounds like. And it just made me think of of that, and you talking about how the Lord does He does promise to set us free from slavery mm-hmm. to sin into life. Um, which is going to be so awesome when we're totally free. I don't have too much to add um, to that. I just thought of it could be a tangent, but found um, last night I was going through some stuff in my basement and I found this old journal. Um, I used to keep, I kept it in my, by my bed during like my seminary years. And I would just like kind of off and on for like probably five or six years, I would just jot down like, like one thing that struck me like through, through the day. And I, I realized it actually went back to like, even the years that I was working for, for focus. So this went back like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years or so. And, um, and it's kind of, I don't, you could call it like an examine, but it's just like, yeah, one, one little moment from the day that you would forget, like, you know, and, and then jot it down. And it was, it was an interesting experience reading it before bed last night of one, I think I'm going to try and take up the practice, uh, again, cause it was really cool of like, surprisingly like these little moments that i had taken the time to write down be like oh shoot like i remember Hmm. that happening and without this like one little record of it it would have been like it would have been lost tears and um what's that tears and rain that's what it would have been tears and rain it's blade runner Hmm. like if it's raining and you're 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 crying you can't tell it's just it's gone tears and Mm -hmm. rain I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. I'm tracking now. (laughs) Um, but I was struck by, I was like, well, one, it's just funny. Like it, it, I don't know. I hadn't put words on it yet, but in 11 years, like how little I have changed in that, like not, not totally, but the bulk, like 80% of the primary relationships in my life are still, are still the primary relationships. Like you guys would be added like compared to the 11 years ago. Um, and like not, not that many as far as, but the core relationships are still like my siblings, you know, a couple like good, good friends and uh, family. And it's even funny of like, man, I'm still reading Harlan Coben is this guy I've been reading since high school, just like a mystery, fun mystery novel guy. And he just released his new book. <clears throat> and so I'm like, I was reading it before I was reading through this journal. It's like, man, I've been doing that since since high school. I remember but, you talking about those in seminary. Oh, they're his, so good. Those books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're so good. So much fun. And um, but at the same time, I was looking back and this was especially like 
yeah, it's just it's interesting. Yeah, when I was when I like worked for Focus, and this was just on me, and you know, you're like I was 24, and it was just like hyperactivity compared to my life now. It's just like constantly going to this thing and that thing, and running like crazy, and um, and then even like it was interesting having some record of like my early seminary days, and just kind of like the internal struggle. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. Of like, I didn't really want to be there. Didn't you know like really wanted to um to leave and be married and all that stuff and um and just kind of like going back to those places but then at the end of it like just like skimming that that old journal like that which is very readable because it's just like one line you know um memories but it was like wow there has been this like slow steady gentle like just coaxing me to freedom mm-hmm. like leading me to freedom in it and it's all interior you know like so much of the exterior is still still my life is obviously much much different now than it was 11 years ago um anyway i'm sorry to share i thought it was pretty yes. cool that is very cool <clears throat> but i think that's what i was feeling this morning was this kind of guarantee that 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 process is not inexorable like i can cease to cooperate with it but he trusts me and I trust him enough that like I it's not always in doubt. I think that's where the enemy comes in and is like, Yeah, he's been faithful up till now and you've you've allowed him to, you know, work this grace in you to become more and more free, but that's, you know, in question whether that's gonna be keep happening. Because uh, you could screw it up or he could stop giving you the grace and just like shut up. <laughs> look at what's look at how kind of like uh saint ignatius's experience when he's like doing some hard penance and the devil whispers in his ear that you can't keep doing this you know this life is too hard give up and he laughs at him and says you can't promise me another second of life but you try to promise me a lifetime of misery you know like trying to take ownership of the future like you can't you can't keep doing this like it's not feasible it's not practical you can you maybe you know you've been doing it for a few months but a few years i mean that's going to be too hard and it's like who are you to tell me what the next few years is going to be like or or whatever that yeah. fear that's an it, it's interesting you were i think that was before we started recording um but just sharing like your homily was it from monday of like yeah mm-hmm. like bad things sad things still happen during the easter octave like on you know this side of the this side of the veil you know and um, just like, man, that's so, and that's there, the, like the kind of like the acceptance of that and just like the, I don't know. I mean, the kind of the surrender to that of still like living in the reality of like the resurrected Christ being real and, and present. Um, I like, I like that comparison there to, to Ignatius of like, um, yeah, man, it's just all, it's all a movement of, of freedom there. Mm-hmm. I remember early in IPF, Father Gallagher gets up and is talking about um, the process of discernment. And <coughs> he puts it really simply. He's like, look, there's two directions. Mm-hmm. And you know, just depending on 
what direction you're moving. You know, if you're living in a state of grace and you're trying to do God's will and you're moving from grace to grace to grace. And like, that means that you follow this path of discernment and, and just hearing a, a master like that, put it that simply. Right. And so the, the Holy Spirit, like, like, Oh, what is he? The Holy Spirit is, he like encourages you. He's the consoler. Yeah. And the evil one is always going to be trying to bite and accuse. And it's like, look, that's it. In, in some ways it is that simple. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not trying to live in accord with God's will, like the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll give you a couple of like loving stings to remind you of, of who you are and, and where you need to be heading. You know, and the evil one will encourage bad behavior. That'll feel very, very fun and pleasurable and all that different stuff. It'll present but, more like future pleasures to you. Like if you keep going down this road, then you'll get this, you know, look at what's going to yeah. happen this weekend and the next, next weekend. Yeah. Which ultimately obviously ends in darkness, but, um, but there is something great about just being able to like, no, I am trying to do God's will as best as I can. And that means that like, he's, he is going to keep moving me from grace to grace to grace. And it's so easy, especially for people who are living an intentional prayerful life. I mean, I talk to a lot of parishioners about it and a lot of young people and they're like, but, but what if there's like this subtle skepticism mm -hmm. and doubt that comes in that, um, I remember hearing it put s simply by a spiritual master, like father Gallagher is like, I can trust this guy. And I, I, I believe this to be true, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and just trusting somebody like that, um, having simplicity in the spiritual life to, to follow that and to trust in it. Very, very helpful. Dude, that simplicity in the spiritual life. That's good. That was one of my favorite parts about, um, did you see Father Stu, the movie? Mm -hmm. I still haven't seen it, man. Still haven't. Did you? Did you like it, Connor? Um, I had mixed opinions. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I I very much enjoyed it. It was very similar to what I I think I expected going in. So mm -hmm. I would say, maybe just briefly, I I just thought it was like very positive overall i enjoyed it it was funny mm -hmm. and it had like i thought um like at the very least like a, a masculine portrayal of the priesthood in in a lot of ways and um but there's one more i mean you probably know this Mets or anyone that hasn't seen the movie but the guy father Stuart long had some type of like muscular disorder that he was diagnosed with at a young age and ended up killing him pretty early i think he died around 50 but and i don't know if this is how he articulated it in real life, but there was a couple scenes in the movie when he was like processing getting diagnosed with this. I can't remember exactly what, like what the line was, but it was something very simple. Like you could maybe even argue like cliche in a way of like, okay, like God doesn't make mistakes. Mm. And so like, this is his will for me. Um, and I, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I liked, I liked that aspect of, of the movie of at least it didn't try to show him like digging into um like ah, this is what i'm trying to say but like thinking about it 
in a lot of ways, not like turning off because it, it showed at least his attempts to like process it and, you know, um, kind of cry out with it. But there was just something to that of like, there was a certain, um, not, not that it was simplistic or cheap, but there was like a simplicity to like the acceptance of like a diagnosis like that. Mm. I was like, I, I like that. It's really good. Yeah. And yeah, what I like about it too, is that it's, yeah, you're not trying to like defend God and make sense of it all of like, why, why would God allow this? And that sometimes I feel like is a question that we get hung up on. Um, that's not actually that helpful because there's no, um, I don't know. There's, I suppose there's an answer like on the other side of the veil, as you say, but, um, it's not really for us to know like why this muscular dystrophy is conducive to my ultimate salvation or the salvation of other people. But I mean, what, what ends up kind of making him free is not thinking about himself. <clears throat> He's, you know, he feels sorry for himself for a little bit, but he looks up at Mary um, and it like frees him from his self absorption. And actually the suffering also does the same, like the big long line of people come to see him. Um, it's his weakness that makes him fruitful in a way. It makes him have to reach out and need others and, and therefore like others kind of come to his side, but then they need from him and it's this communion um, instead of everybody just being like strong and everything makes sense in my life and I don't need anybody to help me. But the, that idea of God doesn't make mistakes, it can be simplistic and cliche, like everything happens for a reason. Um and some people react very strongly to that and they say, no, nothing, you know, this doesn't, God didn't want this to happen. And, um, I think I th both things are true mysteriously. Somehow God allows it and yet he doesn't, you know, want us to suffer. But what that means and why it's consoling to a guy like Father Stu is that it's not that this thing, either God, um, either God is mean now because this happened to me and he wanted it to happen or he's weak and powerless to stop this from happening to me. Both of those things are not true. Somehow this is ingredient in God's providence. He, he's still God and he is still good, even though he's allowed this to happen. So I'm not doomed. I don't have to give into the despair because he's still here and will bring good out of this. And that I can just like put a full stop period at the end of that sentence and then move on. Um, which you see sets him free, which is pretty cool. Like that's not just this all open-ended question for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll have to see Father Stu. I will. I, I am grateful to God. I I feel like he has given me, I, I love the difference between um, simple and simplistic. Mm. Um, I, I think it's the, a similar difference between being childish and childlike. Um, Pious and pietistic. Mm, noble or ignoble. I don't know if that applies there. I don't Scientist really or scientician. 
Liturgistic. Liturgist or liturgiologist. <laughs> oh. I thought of that distinction the other day, actually. Liturgiologist. But I I am it's it's very hard for me sometimes for to um Man, I I feel bad for people that have scrupulosity. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that's really really hard, and I'm so grateful that we have the church and Jesus who say things definitively, and that I have a capacity to trust people at their word. I'm sure it can be misused, but man, that would be really hard. I've had some meetings where it's like, but then the catechism says this, and then the code of canon law says this, and you're like, whoa, dude let's you know they're just dissecting things from all of these different possible angles because there is that whisper of doubt in there mm-hmm. and in some sense you can't answer that because there's always going to be more questions you know there's always going to be the possibility of well what if well what if you're like oh man that's such a hard place to live um yeah so having the simplicity it doesn't mean that you're turning off your brain but i, I do think it it actually means like, no, I'm going to trust that God is still good and God is still here. Ultimately, uh, that that's what I'm going to put my trust in, which is that freedom and the detachment that Ignatius talks about. Where it's like, maybe I do have this diagnosis, maybe I don't, but I know that I have God. And so that's where we're going to rest. Mm-hmm. That's a different place to be. In a way... Uh, I think it kind of gets back to the authority versus control thing. Like God speaks with authority over us, you know, like the uh, canticle of Zechariah come to, you have come to your people and set them free. Like he, he speaks with this authority over us, adopts us as his children. Like the prodigal son puts the ring on our finger. You are my son. I speak that with authority. And since, and we who doubt it, um, we don't trust in that authority and then therefore our own authority, like that ring that puts gets put on our finger, the prodigal son can go out to the market and like trade and and bargain on behalf of his father because he has this authority. The father's given him this authority and that's mm. um, his sonship. He belongs to him. But if that's in doubt all the time, then I need to control. Like, did I get to do everything right? Did, you know, have I studied enough that I know all the rules? And um, like authority is this gentle reverent um way of of speaking and influencing and persuading um and belonging whereas control is this kind of atomized we're all on our own and we got to work it out and figure it out and um i think maybe that's the the connection too to the father stew thing like he just he has this moral authority and he trusts in his first sermon when he's really sick is you know right right next to the crucified christ and he's just saying like, how does this make sense? You know, it just, that's what faith is. Like you look at this and you say, um, it's true. I believe that it's true. This is how much he loves us, that he would suffer for us like this. So none of our suffering is meaningless, period. Yeah. And I know you got to go Rob and I got to go too, but I think I'm about to go celebrate mass. And I, I think the readings this morning is the risen Christ who shows his wounds, but then says, peace be with you. And like, just how uh, that's so unbelievable. But my little niece, Maria, uh, (laughs) I called her on Easter and I said, Maria, what do we celebrate today? And she's probably like two or three said that Jesus was rose from the dead 
and he still has his boo-boos, but they don't hurt anymore. <laughs> That's He cute. still has his boo-boos, but they don't hurt anymore. And I was like, ah, I think I'm going to preach on that this morning. <laughs> still has his boo-boos, but they don't hurt anymore. By his boo-boos, we were healed. <laughs> God sent his only son to die and get boo-boos. <laughs> All right. Later, skaters. See you, dudes. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.